0: It is not that I did choose thee, Lord, for, Lord, that could not be. Mm -hmm. Todd's Road Grace Church would like to invite you to listen to a sermon by our pastor, Todd Nyberg. Mm -hmm. We are located at 4137 Todd's Road, two miles outside of Manowar Boulevard. Mm -hmm. Sunday services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 Mm p.m. Bible study is at 945 a.m. Wednesday services are at 7 p.m. Nursery is provided for all services. For more information, visit our website at toddsroadgracechurch.com. Now here's our pastor, Todd Nybert. I've entitled this message, Where is He? And that is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where is He? In John chapter 7, verse 10, we read, when his brethren were gone up, then when he also up under the feast, the feast of tabernacles, not openly, but as it were in secret. No one knew he was there. Then the Jews sought him at the feast, Now these Jews wanted to kill him. We read in uh, chapter seven, verse one: After these things, Jesus walked in, After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of Tabernacles was at hand, and this is where the Lord went up into this feast and the jews said where is he now i think it's very interesting that the pronoun he in our text is not the pronoun that's generally translated he it's literally where is that one i love to think of the lord jesus christ in those terms he is That one, there's no one like him. There's no one that can be compared to him. Where is that one? What a question. Is it something that interests you? Do you want to know where he is? Now, the importance of that is determined by the answer to this question, Who is he? You see, if we know who he is, we will desperately want to know where he is. Who is this one? You know, his siblings didn't know. They grew up in the same house with God manifest in the flesh. They saw a holy life, a sinless life, and they didn't get it. They didn't understand. I dare say not one of them would have said, our brother Jesus has never sinned. They didn't get it. They didn't have any understanding of who he was. The Pharisees didn't understand who he was. The common people didn't know who he was. We read in verse 12, and there was much murmuring among the people concerning him. For some said he's a good man. No, he's better than a good man. He's the God man. Others said, nay, but he deceiveth the people. He's the only one who didn't deceive the people. Who is that one? He is the one and only begotten son of God. The monogagase. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but the only begotten. Son of God, the sole representative of the being of him who sent him, the one who possesses every attribute of pure Godhead, the Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of the blessed Trinity. Who is that one? The creator of the universe. The one who said, let us make man in our own image. The one who created the world from nothing. All things were created by him and for him, the scripture says. He's the creator. He's the one who upholds all things by the word of his power. That means that very last breath you and I took happened because of his will. That's who he is. He's the brightness of God's glory. He's the express image of his person. The divine being. He's the one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus. He's the one Isaiah saw sitting on the throne. High and lifted up. He's the Lord. He's the Lord of creation. He Spake the world into existence. He's the Lord of providence. He controls everything that takes place. Everything. What about the bad stuff? He's in control of that. He brings good out of evil, but he's in control of everything. He's the Lord of salvation. Your salvation is up to him. You don't have any control in this. Your salvation is up to him. He's the Lord. God hath made this same Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He's the subject of the eternities. Before there was time, the cry of heaven was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. When time is no more, worthy is the lamb that was slain. He's the subject of the eternities. He's the only Savior of sinners. He's the friend of sinners. His righteousness is the only righteousness you can be saved by. His precious blood is the only way you can I can be clean before God in judgment day. Who is he? He's the Son. He's the beloved Son. God the Father said, "This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased." Hear ye, him. Now, if you believe what I just said, you're very interested in where he is. Where is that one? You know, Herod asked that at his birth. Where is he that was born king of the Jews? The Shulamite, picturing the bride of Christ in the Song of Solomon, said, where is he whom my soul loveth? David was asked, where's your God, David? David said, our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. One time, a man tragically lost his son. Maybe somebody listening has experienced the same thing, the loss of a son. What a grievous thing That must be. And they said, Where was God when my son died? And someone replied, He's where he was when his son died. Sitting on a throne. Where is he? Now, if you know who he is, you want to know, Where is he? Where can I find him? Where is that one? Would to God that that question would be answered in this message. Where is he? Well, here's where we must begin. He's in his word. He's in his word, the Bible. John chapter five, verse 39, he said to some people, you search the scriptures. In them, you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. He is in his word. Peter said to him, give all the prophets witness. Here's what he said to those on the road to Emmaus after his resurrection. He, beginning at Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He's in this book. And we will not know him apart from the scriptures. He said, all things must be fulfilled, which were written, that's the scriptures, which were written in the law and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. He is in the Bible, so don't expect to find him apart from this book. Where is he? I've already alluded to this. The heathen said to David, where is now thy God? Psalm 115.3. David's reply, he's where he's always been. Our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Now that means whatever is done is his doing. From his throne, he sits in regal splendor, undisturbed by opposition, sitting on his throne. Throne, working all things after the counsel of His own will. And I love the fact that it's pointed out that He's seated on this throne. Hebrews 1 3 says, When He had by Himself purged our sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. Why did He sit down? Because His work was finished. He completely saved. Everyone he represented. He completely glorified his father. He completely performed his father's will. And he sat down. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. And from his throne in heaven, he's representing and interceding for his people. Listen to this scripture. Romans eight thirty Who is he that condemneth? Paul's... Making a divine challenge. Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died. Nothing else needs to be said. It's Christ that died. Yea, rather, that's risen, who's even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Listen, if Christ died for you, he's in heaven right now, representing you before the Father. What a place of security and safety. Where is he? He's in the heavens. Ruling and reigning. In Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15. We read these words. Thus saith the high and lofty one. That's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the high and lofty one. Thus saith the high and lofty one. Who inhabiteth eternity. Where is the Lord Jesus Christ? Well he Inhabits eternity. He's not bound by space or time. He inhabits eternity. He's not in the cosmos. The cosmos is in him. He is omnipresent. You cannot go anywhere where he is not. Now, somebody may be thinking, how can a body be two places at once? I understand asking that question. But when he was speaking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he said, No man descendeth from heaven but the Son of Man. He came down from heaven. And then he said right after that, which is in heaven. Present tense. While I'm speaking to you on the earth, the Lord says, I'm in heaven. Somebody said, explain that to me. I can't explain that. I wouldn't even try. But I know this. If he's in the Father, he said, I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. If he's in the Father and the Father's in heaven, so is he. You can't go anywhere where he is not. I think of when Nebuchadnezzar had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fiery furnace and Nebuchadnezzar Looks in and he said, Didn't we not throw three men bound into the fiery furnace? Lo, I see four men loose. And the fourth is likened to the Son of God. You see, Christ was in there with them and they got no hurt in that furnace because he was there. You know, the scripture says their clothing did not even smell like smoke when they came out. You see, he's with his people in the furnace. He is. Everywhere. Where is He? He's in every individual believer. That's where He is. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He resides in every individual believer in the new heart that He has given. That's why He could say, Inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me, because I'm in them. And whatever you do to them, you do to me. Inasmuch as you did it not to the least of these, my brethren, you did it not to me. Do you remember in Acts chapter 9 when he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now, wait a minute. Saul wasn't able to reach the Lord Jesus Christ. He was persecuting his people, Yeah, but if you persecute his people, you're persecuting him because he is in them and he is in them eternally. Christ is in his people. The reason you believe is because Christ is in you. The reason you love him is because he's in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. Where is he? He said in Matthew 18, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. He is in the public assembly of his saints. This gathering of two or three, it could be two or three, it could be 20 or 30, it could be two or 300 or two or 3000, whatever, it's a public gathering. Um, I'm preaching on TV and I'm doing that uh, to preach the gospel so people will hear. But if you hear and believe, I want you to be in the public assembly of God's saints because that's where he promises his special presence, where two or three are gathered together in my name. you know, It takes effort to come out and hear the gospel. It takes effort. What's wrong with that? It ought to. Is he not worthy? Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Now, if I said Jesus Christ is going to be in the room when I'm preaching this morning at Todd Road Grace Church, you'd think, I need to be there. Well, he is. He is. He's promised his presence in the public assembly of the saints. He still walks among the golden candlesticks, which represents the churches. He is in the public assembly of his people. And that's so important. Where is he? Well, Psalm 80, verse 1, he's called thou that dwellest between the cherubims. Now, a cherubim is an angelic being. Uh, You can read about them in Revelation chapter 4. You can read about them in Isaiah chapter 6. You can read about them... Uh, in Genesis chapter three, right after the the um, fall, when they had the flaming sword turning every way to keep Adam and Eve out of the garden, the cherubims. But there was a cherubims embroidered on that um, that thick covering, that blanket, uh, the that separated the holy place and the holy of holies, and in between the wings of the cherubim put on the mercy seat over the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant stood. Now, what is the Ark? Well, it had a lid on it called the Lid of, it's called the Mercy Seat, the Lid of Propitiation. Now, remember, he said, I dwell between the cherubims. What was between the cherubims? The Lid of Propitiation. Somebody says, What in the world is that? That's a big word. Well, I'm glad you asked. It's very important that you and I understand what propitiation is and mean. The word means a sin removing sacrifice. Paul said in Romans 3 with regard to the Lord Jesus Christ, whom God has set forth, a propitiation. A pro- God set him forth as a propitiation, a sin removing sacrifice. We read in Hebrews chapter eight where God says, for I will be propitious to their unrighteousness. I will remove it by the sacrifice of my son and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. God said, that's where I'll meet you at the mercy seat. That's where God dwells in favor is at the mercy seat. Now, in Luke chapter 18, We read of that publican beating on his breast, crying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. The word merciful is actually be propitious to me, the sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm full of sin. That's all I am. If you give me what I deserve, I'll go to hell. Be propitious to me. Do something about my sin. Remove it. Make it to be gone through the sacrifice of your son. And that's where God will meet you. You come on the footing of your own works, God's not going to meet you. You come on the footing of your own efforts and your own doings and your religiosity, God's going to reject you. But if you come pleading only the propitiatory sacrifice of Christ, you're going to hear said of you the same thing that publican heard, said heard of him by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He said, I say unto you, that man went down to his house, justified. He said, he, was just, "He God be merciful to me, the sinner. Christ said, he went down to his house and justified, having never sinned. That's where God will meet you. The blood atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't try to come any other way. Don't dare come any other way. He's between the cherubims, the mercy seat. And then we read in First Kings chapter 8, verse 12, Solomon says he dwells. In the thick darkness. And don't miss that. He dwells in the thick darkness. I love the scripture that says he covers himself with light as with a garment. He uses light as a covering. He covers himself in the thick darkness. And I think of the things that took place in the thick darkness. Uh, I think of God being in Mary's womb in the thick darkness. What a place of darkness that was. There was nothing but dark when God first created the universe. and He said, let there be light. I think of the darkness that covered the earth when Christ was dying on the cross. The scripture says the whole earth was covered with darkness for three hours. That's to let us know that we're really never going to fully enter in or understand what was taking place on the cross when Christ was doing business with his father making the way for God to be just and justify the ungodly but this was when he cried out my god my god why hast thou forsaken me he was from the darkness i think of the darkness of the tomb he was laid in 3 days and all of a sudden he began to breathe He'd been dead. He began to breathe. His heart begins to pump. He opens his eyes. The resurrection took place in a place of utter darkness. He dwells in the darkness. Psalm 22, verse 3. David said, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Now, Israel is not that nation in the Middle East. Israel is all of God's elect the Israel of God. That's the true Jew. And he dwells in the praises of Israel. Now, every believer, all of Israel, praises God. Maybe audibly, maybe in their heart. I fear a lot of times when people say praise the Lord, it's for an outward religious show. But it's not always. Believers praise the Lord for who He is. I praise Him for all of His attributes. I praise Him for His character. I praise Him for His gospel. I praise Him for His way of saving sinners by Christ. I love the way He is. I praise Him for His sovereignty. I'm glad He's in control of everything. I praise Him for His power, His ability to put away sins, His ability to create the universe. I praise Him for His wisdom, that He's made the way to be just and justify the ungodly. I praise him for his justice, that he's absolutely just. Shall not the judge of the earth do right? I praise him for his grace and his love. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he can love me, a sinner, condemned, unclean. Oh, the Israel of God praises him and he dwells in those praises. He is in the preaching of the gospel. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me. Now the next time you hear about a powerful man or woman, remember, they don't have any power. He has all power. All power is given to me. In heaven and in earth, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. He is in the preaching of the gospel And he is wherever there is a cry for mercy. Blind Bartimaeus cries out. The Lord is marching toward Jerusalem, gone through Jericho, marching toward Jerusalem, knowing he was going to the cross. The scripture said he set his face as a flint. His hour has come. Nothing's going to stop him as he marches toward Jerusalem, knowing he'll be crucified. There he goes, all kinds of people are calling his name. And then there's a cry from the crowd, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the scripture says, Jesus stood still. He always hears that cry. You ask the Lord to give you what's coming to you. You ask the Lord for justice. You ask the Lord to give you your fair deal. He'll do it. He'll do it, but don't think he stops in mercy. But if you ask the Lord for mercy, the scripture says he delights in mercy. And do you know there has never been a sinner who ever asked for mercy that he turned away? You see, the reason they asked for mercy is because he is there and he caused it to happen. He is the savior of sinners and wherever you find a sinner needing mercy, you find the savior waiting to give mercy. He delights in mercy. Where is he? He's wherever there is a cry for mercy. Now, you cry for mercy when your sin is all your fault. You do not have a sense of entitlement. You don't sit in judgment on God saying, I think this is wrong and I think this is unfair. You realize that the only thing that's fair to you is hell. And when you see that, that you're a guilty sinner deserving damnation, only then will you cry for mercy. God be merciful to me, the sinner. And you're going to find out when you make that cry, he's there and he hears because he delights in mercy. Where is he? He's wherever there's a cry for mercy. Oh, I'm thankful for where he is. To receive a copy of the sermon you have just heard, send your request to todd.nybert at gmail.com, or you may write or call the church at the information provided on the screen.